Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Toka. We lose validity. Welcome to the Tri Tag Games Podcast, your podcast of flying over the wings of the hardwired hinterland. This week we're having a special discussion on lightning crystals, what they can do and what they can't do. And how can you use them most effectively in your game of the hardwired interland? Richard, the first question I have is, are these lightning crystals or are they lightening crystals? A little of both. Because originally when I read this, I thought that they were lightening crystals as in they made the object lighter, not some kind of a zappy effect. Which they do. So why would they have the lightning version? That isn't out yet. Uh-oh. Ah. Huh? Well. They also can be a power source. Ah. Okay. So more stuff to be coming out about the hardwired hinterland. All right. And you hear it here first. Yeah. Right. That's right. We've been discussing how these crystals work as far as when their effect first comes into place. Currently, our suggestion is that the crystals come into effect when you turn on the power as long as the object that they're connected to is electrically insulated from the ground. Yeah. If they're not electrically insulated, then the field drains off and they retain their full weight. If you have it in a plane, you turn it on, your plane becomes very light while you're still taxing on the ground, and then you can take off very quickly from a short runway because the way the plane versus the lift provided by the wings is so much reduced that you almost immediately pop into the air. And also landing would be very easy because you'd fly down, you'd land the plane with almost no power required, no impact, and it would be able to to land on a runway, even a poor runway, easily because it wouldn't be putting a lot of weight down on the ground and onto its landing gear. That's the general idea of how we think this is supposed to be working. Is that correct, Richard? Yes. Okay. The other question that comes up is, you said that it reduces the mass, and we've had a bunch of conversations on Facebook about this. I think that's very problematic because when you start changing the mass, then you get all these inertia issues and what happens when you fire bullets into it. Uh, Bruce, I think the best way to deal with this is how do lightning crystals work? They work very well. And we don't worry about all the other issues. It just makes the aircraft lighter. If you fire a machine gun, it works like a machine gun. I'm just going to call it a plot device. The, uh, the word effective works really well here. It reduces the effective mass. Yeah. If anything else, we get into arguments about how things work. Science fantasies. What was the intention? I mean, what is the flavor? It means that things that shouldn't be able to fly can fly. 
Right. Okay. Oh, it means that things that are far too heavy to fly can fly. Right. Okay. And the only way you can do that is give it a field effect to let to drop the effect of gravity on the object. All right. Well, thanks for clearing that up, Richard, which hopefully brings us to the next part, which was when we saw that and we saw that the field was neutralized by an electrical contact with the ground, then that's when I said, hey, we've got Buck Rogers jetpacks now. Yeah. And looking at the power output of the smallest aircraft uh, I could find, which was the Cessna, after you take account for all the avionics and running the engine, it has 10 amps of power, 12 volts at 10 amps. That's doable for backpack size. So you actually could have big batteries give you enough power to run to run a crystal, a small crystal. And then you could be leaping over the ground like they did in the original Buck Rogers stories. Yeah. How do you think of that, Richard? Something you didn't consider. What about the frogs that they've managed to levitate in strong magnetic fields? Never heard of it. <laughs> I heard of it. It works for frogs. It works for people, too. I don't know if you'd be able to think in that, in that stronger, te- stronger field. We're talking a couple Tesla field, which is really strong. <laughs> okay. Whereas frogs wouldn't mind. I think people would have their brains wiped. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> Probably iron out of their blood. We know that there's a lot of very small generators that are available, salvaged out of robots over on Noram. Oh, yeah. So you might be able to make a very compact lightning crystal. It'd be expensive. There's no question of that. Mm -hmm. So this would be a kind of a thing for the rich or if somebody wanted to create some kind of a strike force. But I see it as being doable. I would imagine that Anson has a bucket full of these crystals, which are way too small for aircraft, but they'd be perfect for these personal flight devices. But would he want to? I mean, he's got that whole aristocracy of pilots. I think they would be turning their nose up big time. What? You expect me to put something like that and give up the elegance of a true aircraft? Something that would be good if you had those small crystals. Planes are often loud and large and, well, conspicuous. You get one of those jetpacks on those guys, they're going to be a little harder to spot. You could have a core of like small unit tactic type guys with these packs on going in where it would be a little less conspicuous than going in a big DC-3. And some might see the use for that saying, oh, okay, I need to sneak a bunch of guys in, but they're going to be looking for planes. If we do like short hops, it's still going to get faster than a bunch of guys running through the forest. Got little personal helicopters. Oh, yeah. Put a helicopter blade on a shaft, a motor attached to a chair. All right. I could, it could work. Back. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Don't forget, they've only been doing this for less than a century, and their resources were very limited. Everything has just begun. Because jetpacks are still dangerous because uh, the, there's always the chance of burning your legs. You know, propellers flying inches over your head can be a little dangerous to the guy standing next to you, too. <laughs> There's this ducted fan jetpack that actually has up to 30 minutes of flight time. Yeah. Well, somebody just recently flew the English Channel with sort of a jetpack with wings. That's what John's talking about. But it's different from what I'm talking about. When I was talking about propellers, a company developed a propeller pack. You stand in and you stand up and fly. Instead of leaning forward and flying like an airplane, you fly more like a helicopter. 
Uh, okay. Well, now, so if you take something like that and you put one of these crystal, you put, you know, you put this lightning crystal on there, you're talking about increasing your flight time by as much as ten times. Right. Because it's not having to provide, you know, lift for a hundred and or two hundred pound man. It's having to provide lift for twenty pounds. Well, you're not only increasing your flight time by ten times, you're also making it possible because a lot of these designs just can't lift the mass of a man. Oh, right. So exactly. So you could have something the size of like a Buck Rogers jetpack because it would only need to provide so, a, a small amount of lift. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah. I like that. I like the idea of, of the small personal helicopters. My idea would be you get the smaller crystals, just have them in a backpack. Rich said the field effect. I doubt it would just make the backpack lighter. The field would envelop the whole person. Oh, yeah. That's I, the idea. Okay, then you could, you could just sit there. Very rich people. Well, let's see. A 200-pound guy, how big would the backpack have to be to fit the lightning crystal and the apparatus for it? Well, we know that the biggest lightning crystals were required to lift the, the Beagle, which was a big floating platform. Therefore, the smaller crystals would be able to lift lighter things. I, I don't have the book in front of me right now, so I don't know how small they could get. Okay, just say, yeah, on page uh, 57, smaller crystals and assemblies will not effective for daily operation or use in emergency situations where a crash is imminent and the main lightning assembly has failed. So, in other words, even small crystals, you could overdrive them to provide you with emergency lift. It says a four-inch crystal will kill the mass on an average plane. A six-inch will lift a large aircraft. A 12-inch crystal will lift a floating dock. So, in order to lift a backpack and the guy... About an inch. Yeah, an inch crystal and then you have the apparatus which puts the electricity through it you could still have a small unit of let's say and some soldiers the guys who because the air knights are oh we're not going to do that we have our planes it's a matter of dignity you could have a bunch of small unit tactic soldiers with these backpacks on with assault rifles and maybe a bayonet and they're leaping and bouncing to use a squirrel suit you jump you put the wings out you fly and you can fly for a goodly distance. Yeah, that's what I mean. John, okay, John's getting what I'm talking about here. You could still use those small crystals. The tactics that these guys could use would just be frightening. Have you ever seen people that using that equivalency of wings or uh, capes down ski slopes? Yeah. I think I have, yeah. But, yeah, that, that's what I mean. So these smaller crystals could be used to devastating effect in small Unix tactics. Because if I drop a 10-pound weight off a building, it's still going to fall. Right. If you're 160 pounds and you drop to 16 pounds, you're still going to hit. You won't need a parachute or anything because if you're only 16 pounds and you've still got the same surface area, you're going to reach terminal velocity at a very low speed. Human reaches terminal velocity at about 160 miles an hour. So if you were to reduce that weight but kept the same surface area, your terminal velocity would probably be like, 20 miles, maybe 10 miles an hour. You'd quite literally be feather falling. You could just land. And if you have a squirrel suit, or you just a big overcoat, you know, just pull it out and then it even slows you down even more. <laughs> right, but you wouldn't even need to. It would be almost like you jumping off three stairs of height. Yeah. At least one or two people whose parachutes failed, and they managed by catching updrafts and spreading themselves as thin as possible to, to survive. They broke their ankles and their knees when they landed, but they survived. You don't just keep getting faster and faster. You reach what's called terminal velocity. So if they spread themselves as, as best they could and caused as many updrafts as they could, they might have gotten their speed down to maybe 120 miles an hour, 
which is not like very optimal to smash into something. But if you smash into the right thing in the right way, you could survive that. Yeah. That's something I always want to see on Mythbusters. The one James Bond where Jaws is being pushed out of the air, is trying to land. He's trying to land on top of a circus tent. Whether that actually would have worked or not. <laughs> hmm. hey, Rich, you were saying uh, lightning crystals can be used for something else. You want to give uh, our audience a scoop? Not yet, quite yet. <laughs> okay. There has to be the first Tinterland module that I'm thinking about. Ooh, Adventures. Yes. Excitement. Sort of like the Bureau 13 Extreme book. Okay. But it's something you promise you will reveal. Eventually. Eventually. I've still got about four books ahead of me. Ah. Okay. we got to finish Elf Winds. we got to finish Easy Space. We've got to finish Bureau 13, Brass and Steam, which just got coupled in with Bureau 13, Cowboys and Zombies. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and then Voyages. Uh, after that, I can work on that. Was Voyages originally Easy Space? Is the Parkman Chronicles. Bob Sadler's idea of what happens after World War III and as things are being rebuilt, but mostly with uh, civilization going to the high seas. Ah, okay. So, we have these devices. So my biggest question as a player is, I have this personal lightning crystal set. Can I fly to another environ? Would I want to fly to another environ? Well, you're always going to have adventuresome people. If we didn't have adventuresome people, we wouldn't be where we are today. People who just say, what's over that next hill? What's across that sea? Right. There are going to be people that are going to try it. Granted, yeah. if they mess up, there are going to be people that are going to end up being squid bait. Right. But there are going to be people that are going to try it. It's very easy. Because we know from the book that density of air does not change with altitude. So all you have to do is go up straight up far enough on a balloon or something like that, and then you let loose with your lightning crystal on. I mean, you don't even have to use a lightning crystal, and you could just squirrel suit it to the next environment. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Mini cells and a, a microcopter, solar cells. It's almost a solar layer. It's fusing helium. So I don't know what the actual light that is generated by that. It should work a solar cell. Yeah, it'll work. Yeah, it's, it'll be full spectrum light. It'll, it should work just fine. Photovoltaic, yeah, it should. Yeah, I would think just because it's not solar radiation, it's right. visible light. And as Bruce pointed out, this also allows for man-powered flight, like you know, the Gossamer Condor. Put up an array of uh, solar cells just to power the crystal. And you just pedal your way there. Possibly use a battery to keep yourself going at night if you don't make it. Yeah. And hope to God you don't hit any weather. And if you do hit weather, that's when you would deploy the helium balloon to just lift yourself up and keep yourself in the air until you get through it. There. After five long years, my latest invention is complete. Surely it will revolutionize personal transportation for decades to come. Hey, what are you in here? Get get away from there, you stupid simian sociopath! Don't touch that! Ah, monkeys took my jetpack. Monkeys took my jetpack at mtmjetpack.com. I was talking to uh, some of the folks on Monkeys Took My Jetpack, and they were. 
pointing out that Harvard Hinterland's a bit like a cargo cult world, where everyone's basically going after stuff. If you find a good place that has some neat stuff, if you're smart and you know how things work, you only go there once a month, and it gets restocked. It'd be sort of on the cargo cult. We're definitely paying a little bit of homage to the Islanders and John Fromm. Yeah, ah. John Fromm. The legend of the Islanders was a Navy man from World War II named John Fromm who dropped lots of cargo to them. And to this day, they still wait for his return from the volcano. People figured this out that they actually build small lightning crystals. I can actually see people doing frivolous things with them. Okay, so they got these little lightning crystals. They're okay. I mean, they're not like airplane crystals. They may not be worth as much. But you know what? I can build a house in the sky. My first thought when you started talking about it was jet ski rides. Okay, so who's going to build the first floating house? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. We're going to do Weird Zone in the hardwired hinterlands. <laughs> yeah. And you think they're not connected? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, come on now. Yeah. Okay, Bruce, house? You know, look at Anson. Once he figures out that he could actually build himself a castle in the sky, he's going to build Laputa. He's going to build a castle in the sky. That would be great. Yeah, Anson, from what I've read of this guy, <clears throat> that he is, he would. Why? It's the same reason why dogs lick themselves. Because he can. <laughs> that would be a lot of lightning crystals. That's all I can well, say. Hey, well, he's the one that's cornering the market and on he, him. I'm not questioning it. He may be the only guy who can pull it off. In the near future, mankind will discover something that will change him forever. An ancient portal system to millions of worlds. Built by a civilization of advanced alien beings, now lost to the ravages of an interdimensional war, he will venture forth into the fringes of space and time to find alternate Earths and alien worlds, where he will find the wondrous bounty of knowledge as to who he was and what he might become. He will also find danger at every turn as he encounters hostile societies, alien beings, and the insidious Miller. Fringeworthy, the tabletop game of interdimensional adventure is now available for a D20 system and coming soon to Savage Worlds. Action and adventure await you as you explore through the interdimensional fringes of space to an infinite number of new worlds. Your characters will face danger and excitement around every corner. Sail with Blackbeard on the Seven Seas. Journey to a steampunk Victorian age. Fight the Soviets in an 80s America that lost the Cold War. Travel to an alternate future and witness a supernova from the bridge of a starship, and then battle it out with blasters and plasma swords. Use any D20 setting you already own, or invent your own. Check out the French Woody Podcast at tritaxsystems.podbean.com to find out more. Whether you've never heard of Fringeworthy or have been playing it for the past 25 years, the Fringeworthy Podcast will entertain and inform you of all the cool stuff you can do with the most all-encompassing setting ever written. Every week, we'll take you on a tour of the fringes of space and give you tips on how to game in this fantastic multiverse. We discuss adventure ideas for the game masters and how to keep your team of characters alive for the players. Go to tritacsystems.podbean.com and take a listen. You can also find us on iTunes under keyword Fringeworthy. A million, million worlds await you. Music by Ernster, available on iTunes. So, Highwater Hinterland, did we ever decide whether there was a fringe portal there or not? Yes, there is. It's in the Portals book. I believe it's in the Portals 2 
I know it's Portal 8, but I forget what world, but it's in the 100s. Here's the next important question. Can we take a lightning crystal? Now, I know it won't work on the French pass because of electricity and such, but could I take it back to another node, you know, once it gets through and I get power again, run this lightning crystal, and will it do the same thing? Or is this a property on only on that node? I would say it would be that on that node. I'd say it's a hit plant thing only. Rich? Where do you think the Tremelward were mining their crystals from? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> It could also be that it depends on the world. Like, okay, so it doesn't work on Earth Prime. It might work on Victorian Prime. Rich, would it work on other worlds or not? Well, considering the hinterland is not a world, uh, probably not. Not, okay. Well, that's, I mean, it's just important to know. It's important because if I'm playing Fringeworthy and I see these crystals working, I'm going to want to take them to other worlds and use them. Hey, I got this thing from another world. Let's see if it works here. Right, and right. the GM can decide whether it works or not. Maybe that's when you get the lightning, when it goes bang and discharges a big bolt of electricity. Wow, <laughs> yeah. My thing is, is that I see it as the type of weird science you would have in a Victorian, you know, that Jules Verne, H.G. Wells type thing. It might work on Victorian Earth if they have that type of weird science. A cabaret works. Yeah. Thank you for adding bits to Bureau 13, Brass and Steam. Yeah. You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of. The 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the, and the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the night fantastic. Bureau 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritag Games at TritagGames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Bureau 13 will be there. But the evil is growing. You know, it would work in the Bureau 13 world. It might. No, no, I don't, I'm going to say it might. It's going to work in the Bureau 13 world because everything's true on the Bureau 13 world. That's that, right. That, that is true. Yeah. yeah. We've already said that. All stories are true on Bureau 13 world. You hook it up to uh, the wire you made out of balonium. <laughs> That's and, right. Uh, and the casing is unobtainium. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> and he got submerged in MacGuffinite. Right. <laughs> right, MacGuffin. Uh, Did you use an electrolyte for that? No, no, no. We use MacGuffinite. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can also see where something like this could also revolutionize crime. Your second story man would have no trouble reaching higher levels on buildings. See, that's what I meant about the tactics. You have guys who can jump three, four stories in a height. They can climb the walls like, the, like 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 spiders. Well, they can also climb, you know, using pressure holds up any kind of a groove in the building or even on the corners. They'd be able to just climb just using pressure. So you'd have to have anti-theft devices that had a bioelectric charge. 
or to ground them once the field effect hits them. Copper plate all your windowsills. That wouldn't work because you're wearing rubber gloves, you're wearing rubber boots, you're wearing rubber knee pads. What you do is that you'd spray salt water, a fine spray around all your windows. That would conduct across those insulating surfaces. I just put in some automated turrets. Infrared detectors are still going to see that guy. <laughs> They're wearing rubber gloves. How thick rubber gloves are they wearing? Are they wearing like, you know, electrical rubber gloves? Or are you talking like kitchen rubber gloves? So I'm talking about something that will keep the field from dissipating. Yeah, so they're wearing electrical rubber gloves, then you can use uh, spikes or thin needles on your on your window ledge then. There you go, yeah, that'll do it. They would be thick enough. No, actually, electrical gloves are fairly thick, but you probably couldn't pierce the skin. Well, he's also going to have to weigh 16 pounds, so yeah, they'd be off of really thin needles to get, get the rubber. Yeah. Whenever you build a better mousetrap, all you're doing is breeding for better rats. We all know that. I like that. I like that phrase. I'm using that. <laughs> nice. And you assume that people have a lot to steal, other than a radio, a cast iron fry pan. You're going to spend thousands of dollars to build one of these suits, and you're going to get a radio? No, you're going to go after high-end targets, of course. You're not going to go after, you know, Joe Peabody, who lives down the block in the brownstone in old, old, in old... New old New York. New old New York. No, you're going to go after, after the mayor of new old New York. Yeah. I mean, I've been burglarized, not at this place, but in my old apartment four times. They never took anything. You're a gamer. <laughs> That's sad. Yes, exactly. I'm a gamer. They're like, what are these books? Comics. I don't know what to do with this stuff. Where's the stereo? Where's the high-def television? <laughs> now you know where to hide your money. Oh. <laughs> in my gaming books. Real sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Here to hear first, folks. Bruce has his money in his gaming books. And yeah. no, we are not going to say which gaming books are, oh, use this one. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're yeah, look, they, they can search my PDFs. By the time they got done searching my gaming books, I would have brought the police home with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also would see this would possibly advance industry. If you could, you know, make portions of your assembly line lighter, it takes less power to move things along the assembly line. There's processes where being light may actually help make new kinds of metal. Can you imagine this, a, a large crystal attached to a smelter, whether it would affect how materials mix? Okay, now you're bringing the science into it, John. We already said that was a bad idea. I asked Richard if they wore out, and he said eventually they need hoon and break. So if there's a not a limited list of number of them, people would try to be careful with them. I imagine doing things like you know accidentally grounding yourself out would probably be bad for them because they would cause them to crack or, or start getting uh, the detune. Well, yeah, they start changing color. If you have a green crystal, you're golden, you're great. It starts getting yellow, then red, then bright red. Okay, then there's a problem. But you can repair them. That's what the skill's for. Yeah. You can get them back. It just means you have to be careful about the maintenance. Yeah, I, I'm sure that eventually, under the worst conditions, you might get a crystal that was permanently degraded to a lower level. Sure, that should happen. There should be consequences to doing things. But I think that a well-maintained plane, well-maintained crystal, should last at least the lifetime of the plane. Yeah. Yeah. So. Of course, the plane only lasts three weeks, and then it gets shot yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> DC-3 is still flying. 
Thank you, Mr. Pessimist. Thank you, John. Yeah. yeah. What would happen, though, say uh, some guy from Noram finds himself a lightning gun and he shoots it at that person or that airplane. Would that cause the crystal to overload or would it cause the crystal to go to negative you know, mass and watch it just shoot straight up to the sky, heading for the fusion layer? Well, I think you would treat it as an attack on the actual yeah. crystal assembly and, yeah. and just determine what the effect of it would be. You need to screw a new fuse in. Unless he damaged the crystal, in which case then you'd have somebody making a crystal repair or a crystal tuning roll to make sure the thing doesn't go totally whacked out and drop you out of the sky. Yeah, that's the problem about saying, oh, great, I'm now only 10% of my weight. Let's load that DC up. Then something happens and you're pancaking into a carna whale pod. With DC-3, the, with the size of those wings, even though you have alcohol-powered motors... You could probably do what I call a powered glide. If you, if you see land, you might be able to land. Yeah, if you can see it at night, yeah. Yeah, otherwise it's sort of like, ah, uh, we're going to die. <laughs> You're sitting there looking at the guy who decided to lower the plane, just yelling at him, I hate you, it was a horrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Because of the stuff that we're talking about, planes move slower that means you actually do have the time to have these big dramatic moments when, in reality, most of the time people are just screaming and then hitting the ground. <laughs> you actually yeah. would have that 30-second soliloquy. I loved you. I never told you. We're going to die, and I just had to get this <laughs> off my chest. I'm reminded of the scene in the Blues Brothers where the car goes off that bridge, and it's dropping and dropping, and he just looks at the other guy. I've always loved you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sure. You, you get that sort of thing all the time. You know, the clock is ticking down. It's only got 30 seconds left. 15 minutes later, it's still ticking down. With this kinds of speeds we're talking about, you could justify doing that sort of thing. One thing that pirates really want to do, they want to capture crystals intact. Because that's what the only thing keeping their large flying pirate bases going is all these crystals they capture from aircraft, which means they do do boarding action. Well, yeah, when the planes are flying that slow, they can do the rappelling with the swinging on the ropes and stuff. And, and grappling a, a wing and swinging off and pulling yourself right. up. Sure. Right. All sorts of acrobatic maneuvers that just in real life, no, no chance at all. No. Yeah. Not even James Bond. No, no, nope. no. James Bond be like, nope, of my pay grade, sorry. <laughs> Call them, tell her I'm taking a break. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something about John's idea, but I didn't want to stoke the fire because they say that zero G, you, they, you can make certain compounds only in zero G. I didn't want to stoke that fire, though. <laughs> we serve, serve in the book that 10% is about the best you're going to get. For some reason, the crystals don't do more than 10%. Right. So if you want to get zero G, you can. You just have to go up into the helium layer. Yeah, at night. Well, you've got 12 hours. Take a balloon, raise it up into the thing, let it do its job, pull it back down again. Harvest your material. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about the, the helium layer, it's probably helium-3. It's actually light helium. Helium-3? It was straight helium. The neutron surge from the helium layer would irradiate the entire world. So helium-3, however, doesn't do neutrons. Hmm. Doesn't do free neutrons. So, so the, yeah, it's, it's light helium. It's helium-3. It's also a, a power source. Or can be used. 
as a fuel. It's easy to fuse. Which is what it's doing. Yeah. That's why we have light. Ah. So that means that the helium-3 is actually coming up out of that vent. Yep. Yeah. Tons of it. Oh, yeah. And you could harvest it. Yes. You could take a big cargo container up, lightened, fill it up with helium-3 so that it's not quite lighter than air, and then turn off the lightning field and float down. Yeah. Well, you got the pipes. You just go to the pipes. No, no, Melody's talking about using it as a means of, of rescuing yourself. If you were up there and a crystal was going bad, you could harvest some of the helium-3 from the helium layer, make your vehicle into a lighter-than-aircraft. Okay. And then just turn off the lightning crystal, and then you'd still be supported by your big bag of helium. So, so It's a real big bag. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, Richard, here's a question. Are there areas of the hinterland that are dark because the people there have harvested all the helium coming out of those vents? No. Okay. It sounds like a perpetual source of helium. I, I think that because it said it's it's an artificial to create universe. I mean, come on, perfectly square islands, you know, yeah. a certain. I think they would have made it where the helium is self-perpetuating, where it's just going and going. I don't think it could be depleted. No, he's not saying depleted. He's saying is that as soon as it comes out, it gets diverted to some other industry. So it never actually reaches the air above. Not but, quite like the ozone layer. <laughs> so that eventually you would end up with not enough healing coming from there. And I think the answer to that question is that even if you were doing it on one side, you'd have to be doing it on the upside as well to really deplete that layer. Yeah. Yes. So it may be a little dimmer in that one area, but it, but you're still going to have light. We also know about the mixing, how much mixing there's going on also. I just thought of a good industry for the Fringeworthy, why they would want to go there. Helium-3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just show up in tanker trucks and fill them up. Right. <laughs> See if the maintenance or the Restorskis can produce more crystals. Aren't we running out of helium? A uh, different kind of helium. It's a side effect of, of natural gas mining. As long as we have natural gas, we probably still have helium. And nuclear reactors. We need to have a good fusion reactor anyway, so yeah. that'll produce a lot of helium. The thing is, a tanker truck full of helium-3 would be enough to power fusion reactors for as long as you want. They're talking about mining the moon for basically kilograms of helium-3. If you can show up with, oh, several metric tons of helium-3, yeah, not a problem. We can run this generator for years assuming we ever figure out how to make it work yeah <laughs> that's always the problem bruce <laughs> it's making yeah fusion's always 20 years in the future <laughs> well that's not true because they stopped paying for it about 40 years in the past yeah <laughs> yeah but if, if you had people showing up with tanker trucks full of helium-3 believe me money would go back into that program Antimatter now. Yeah, but Richard, the amount of antimatter they're creating, I have a thimble. The air in a thimble is billions of times more than the antimatter they've made so far. So it's a good start. Yeah. It's a far cry from where they've been. Yeah. The big problem, of course, is storing it. Uh, yeah. The reason we don't have hydrogen is hydrogen destroys metals that hold them. We just need a labor status this field and we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Lightsaber magnetic bottle. That would be good, too. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you for joining us for a lively discussion of the metaphysical and physical qualities of the hardwired hinterlands. 
We hope you'll use these ideas in your game. And if it doesn't totally wreck your campaign, please let us know. Actually, let us know whether it does that too. Because we look forward to hearing all letters and comments from everybody on uh, www.tritaggamers.com and on our Fringeworthy fans on uh, and elsewhere on Facebook. So please join us there and leave lots of comments, and we look forward to seeing you. Hey, and leave reviews in iTunes. Oh, yeah. Make sure you leave reviews in iTunes because that really helps increase our visibility and get more people to listen to the podcast that hopefully you're enjoying. And also, tritechsystems.podbean.com, where you get the podcast from. You can leave comments there, too, for us. And we do want to thank, thank those folks who actually have left comments recently. We, we haven't got to them yet uh, on the show, but we, when we get a chance, we'll definitely try to thank you folks who have left comments. So thank you, folks. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern. If you want to check out something really cool, you need to tune in to the TriTac Podcast. What's that you say? TriTac? What's a TriTac? TriTac is one of the oldest role-playing companies around. They make games like... Fringeworthy. FTL 2448, Hardwired Hinterland, Beach Bunny Bimbos with Blasters. Designed for D20 and Savage Worlds, these games will kick your dice into overdrive. Whether you want to combat the denizens of the underworld, travel the galaxy, get crazy with bimbos, or travel the multiverse and do it all, TriTac has you covered. Go to TriTacGamers.com to see what it's all about. That's T-R-I-T-A-C Gamers.com. Check out our weekly podcast at tritacsystems.podbean.com or simply enter keyword TriTac in iTunes. You're going to love it.